0: this week's podcast brought to you by benedicts yesterday driving in the car our daughter had the visor down mirror open mouth agape as she stared at herself and said what's that thing that dangles in the middle of your throat and what the heck does it do
2: yeah, and just a bevy of tests in middle school, yeah, and you were cramming with our twelve year old last night and this morning for a Revolutionary War test. And as I was listening to you, it's remarkable how many of those phrases, battles, names I remember, but i I remember nothing about them. I couldn't tell you the significance of any of them, and it's a bummer because your dad is a, of course, an American history teacher. And, um, you know, Thomas Paine, common sense. I remember that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember much about common sense or Thomas Paine, but putting those two rote memory things together, I can do now. Battle of Bunker Hill. Did you remember any of this stuff as you were going over it with her?
0: You know, it's interesting. Cause I obviously we took history when we were in middle school, high school, whatever. And then I took it in college. Um, some of this stuff, I never learned. Like about certain battles. They didn't teach the battles, at least in my memory at all. Like when I was in high school, I didn't learn about the battles the, when it the, came
2: to the like the movements of troops and things like
0: right, that. Right, right, yeah. Cowpen, the battle of cowpen, when I'm I'm helping her study, that's the first time I've ever heard of the battle of cowpen. Um of course Lexington and Concord, yes, but some of these other battles I'm it's just interesting to me that
2: they're what, teaching that. What do you remember from uh, world history, anything? I remember. I, I was just thinking, oh, the Magna Carta, 1066, but 1066 was the Battle of Hastings. I just looked it up. Um, In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. There ought to be more rhymes. Yeah. If history rhymes. everything
0: more. we remember is for rhymes. I, I just love that as she was studying last night and, and learning about the Declaration of Independence and we get to John Hancock and what... You come over to help study with is a picture of Fenway, <laughs> Fenway Park
2: scoreboard with a giant lighted up John Hancock You're like, signature. Uh, <laughs> That'll help you. But by, by the same token, you said that when you were studying about Benedict Arnold, but what, what what is her reaction? Would oh, you name
0: the this morning on the way to school as she's continuing to study? It's would you name your mom if you had another son? Would you name him Benedict? And I said uh, probably not. And then she said, "What about Arnold?" <laughs> then, of course, Benedict Matherin is having a great season for the Indiana Pacers. So, this is
2: of course, the first thing you would think of. I think of, of course, if we're ranking Benedict's, mm-hmm. I think of Benedict Arnold, Benedict Matherin, and at one, Eggs Benedict.
0: Ah, that would but, be your number one. I've
2: never had Eggs Benedict, but that's would, my number one. Benedict. Would
0: Matherin or Arnold be your number two? What would what would the order go?
2: Well, I mean, Arnold was a traitor, right? So we have to make him third.
0: I mean, he's a traitor because we grew up here. If we grew up in Britain, we would think he was a patriot.
2: Would we? Or would we not remember him at all? We probably wouldn't remember him at all. Yeah, I see a lot of statues to Benedict Arnold. Or uh, there's, there, there's more likely to be a statue of Benedict Matherin before that. What I do remember in history the figures the facts and figures that are pointless are you know Ted Williams hit 406 in 1941 Walt scored 100 points in 1962 that sort of thing what about you uh, and the and the uh, lint trap of your of your brain what, what I'm has not gotten... good with years
0: even sometimes uh when I'm talking about stuff I've covered I'm like oh you know when Minnesota won their third championship and like Rucco will be able to say oh in whatever year it was. I know it was an odd year because all of their championships were in odd years, but I just don't remember exactly. Like, He's really good at remembering which teams won in which years. I know when the teams, what teams won, I don't always, I'm not always able to put the years along with it. What about
2: teams that you played on?
0: I I do remember where I was in certain years, yes. (laughs) I know I was in Houston in 2002. I,
2: I hope you still remember where you were in certain years.
0: Well, I mean... I wonder if that's challenging. One year when we were up in stores um, and I was interviewing Coach Auriemma, and and um, I asked him and afterwards I realized this is a hard question for him. It was easy for me because I was facing all of the banners in their practice facility. But I asked him, like, name the year you won a championship and the city it was in and like chronologically. Those so he banners like, are... are... He's like, all right, Minneapolis 95. And then... He went along, and I, I, had to cheat by being able to see all the banners in, uh, in order.
2: That's a helpful device, memory device, memory Certainly. Aid. Certainly. I also find that the years between, uh, well, after nine eleven, and uh, the, the early two thousands, what, what that decade is called the, the aughts or whatever you want to call it, the two thousands, and then the two thousand tens, have not really distinguished themselves as a. You know, when 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 our kids are older, having a a two thousands party, what are they going to wear? Or what what is going to be the new mm-hmm. iPhone that? What 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 distinguished that as a not politically, not not in terms right. of, uh, uh, you know, it, it, global. What politics. distinguished
0: it for you and me specifically Culturally. was well, of course, sleepless the, nights because well, that's how we started kids. having children. That's I,
2: when I that's how I measure that first decade of this century is in the All of having our years children of being or born, or kids yeah. being born. But, you know, in the introduction of the smartphone, which kind of made everybody uh, a zombie, but. Um, yeah, I don't what, know. What, is, I don't know. There, I is there even, any kind of a fashion? I, even, or? I was just
0: going to say I can't think of what the fashion was because the fashion for me was a baby Bjorn with a baby in it <laughs> resting on my chest. But I don't know. When,
2: when Party City, you know, has a costume for the 2010s, what will it be that 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 people are dressing up as i don't know i think i think those those decades ended in the 90s did they perhaps flannel in the 90s neon yeah. in the 80s 70s of course bell bottoms uh, everything in the 60s yeah. and the 50s all distinguished themselves but i, could, I don't know that, that, well,
0: this is how indistinguishable it is in some ways When our daughter, our daughter, who is now back at college, one of the things that she was wearing apparently a lot was a pair of my old New York Liberty black champion sweatpants. So, you know, very similar to champion sweats now, except much bigger and wider. And yeah, I mean, champion's always kind of like the really thick, good quality cotton but um like these wide leg sweatpants with but the elastic bottoms anyway when she was home over christmas break she said ma do you still have that trash bin i have like a she said ma ma <laughs> mom. She, she's never called you ma. mom mom yeah. um i don't know if it comes out as model she probably didn't say anything to address me pa, she just said do you know you, where ma <laughs> do Ma's? you still have because i had a bin full of like old sweats and she has to go through it so the night before she's going back to college she was so excited because she found a pair of um uconn champion sweatpants that have like uconn basketball number 50 on them she found a pair of red usa basketball pair of uh blue WNBA, and she's trying all these on and of course they're long because they fit me and she's and she's to almost my height and just so excited that she now has four pairs of these ridiculous sweatpants you let them go i let them go yeah
2: rather than just keep them stored in a a plastic bin for yeah
0: um but she also she's like this can i please bring this back to school and it was a navy blue pretty worn um yukon sweatshirt just yukon across the front block letters and i wouldn't let her take that and i said to her i got that on my recruiting visit in 1990 i'm gonna keep that one and uh at some point when I'm done broadcasting, I'll be wearing my Yukon 1990 sweatshirt around let again. Me, let
2: me let me have a, a, a replica made for you. Let her you let her wear that one. That one's and, in great shape, and, and and it will. But it will show your it will show your journey, and and we'll get a new one made. I, but, but that's
0: the whole point. Is I don't I don't want like she can get a new one. That one has zero meaning for her. It has meaning for me, so I want to I want to keep that one. We can get her a new one.
2: Kind of finish. You can finish, Ross Perot, Danny Garvey. But this one will replace the U with an I.
0: Icon. (laughs) A lowercase I, though, like iPhone No, no, that would make no sense at all. This week when I was in uh, Bristol, I was in on Sunday, we had um, a triple header and a half-hour show between a couple of the games. And um, Kelsey Riggs was hosting and Christy Winter-Scott, was in along with me and it's the first time um, she's been in bristol she does a ton of stuff for big 10 network does stuff for espn but this was her first time that she'd been in studio and there was a really really cool moment Um, one of the games it wasn't one of the games on espn but one that we were going to do highlights of was yukon game and yukon happened to be playing georgetown and what was cool about it was christy's daughter um is a sophomore on the Georgetown team and her daughter hit a couple threes in the first quarter. I think Georgetown had a one point lead at the end of the first quarter. Anyway, um, when we did highlights from that game, uh, her daughter was in the highlight and she kind of, she got to do the highlight. And uh, and like, first of all, Georgetown, because, you know, when when we're doing games and doing highlights from the other games, we, we only do highlights from ranked teams and Georgetown isn't ranked. So for her to be, You know, part of it, she she would, Georgetown had to be playing a ranked team. It all kind of had to line up. And it was really, really cool um, when Christy got to do the highlight um, that mentioned her daughter. And we're given what's called shot sheets. And it just says what all the highlights are, like who's in them and why they're significant. And um, anyway, she kept hers because it said, you know, Bree Scott with the three in the first quarter or whatever. Um, But uh, it was really, really cool.
2: That's really cool
0: talked about our, our high schoolers having their midterms um, and maybe we've talked about this before but when we when I had midterms in high school we didn't then get the rest of the day off like our kids might have two exams and if they have two exams they're done at noon but if they have one exam they might be done at nine forty five. or if they have one exam but it, they might not have to go in until later like when we were in high school, you took midterms. You stayed the rest of the day, right? <laughs> and the whole week. It wasn't like all of a sudden a half day, and you could I leave. Can tell at, you, like
2: if if there was a half day, I wasn't getting picked up and brought home.
0: No, no, it's um, it's really put a uh, a wrinkle into our work week, <laughs> trying that- to navigate getting our kids home and back, and and uh, and all of that craziness
2: and they're, they're a little bit stressed out.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I remember that. I remember, especially um, in college, just getting super stressed during finals and midterms. I remember specifically, it might've been my freshman year, maybe my sophomore year, and we had a study lounge outside of our locker room, and um, a lot of us would study in there. There was a computer that we could use to write papers and stuff, but I just remember being super stressed not having a good basketball practice. It must have probably been in December, so probably finals, first semester finals. And going in and talking to Coach Orym about how stressed I was for my finals, secretly sort of hoping that he would tell me I could take that day's practice off so I could study.
2: Or or that you could take off the finals. Right. <laughs> and uh, and practice more.
0: Yeah. And he, he, was, he just said, well, two hours of practice you can't control You know anything to do with your exam so don't even think about it. Just go out there and play. And we're leaving his office, sort of deflated. Like, what did I actually think he was going to tell me to take (laughs) practice off to go study? But in my brain, that seemed rational. Instead of, suck it up, kid, and find a way to to get your work done.
2: Well, I our son didn't say anything about his his uh, exam. He has one or two today. He
0: has two today. Two
2: today. And uh, as he was getting out of the, as I was dropping him off for the carpool. He got out of the car, and my door was his door wasn't yet closed. And he just said, apropos of absolutely nothing, because we hadn't been talking about the exams. He just said, "I have ninety multiple choice and three essays." It just finally, <laughs> finally came out. <laughs> like
0: uh, that's his English exam. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, uh, I man, three essays.
0: Yeah. Well, before he left for school, all he said to me was, "Do you have any new pens?" Because in his brain, of course, three essays and ninety multiple choice, he's, he's gonna a need eight? a fully uh, inked pen. Yes, you and not me. Yes. How dare him? So, uh, so anyway, I gave him his his fresh pen. I'm so glad to not have to do live that life anymore. Even studying with our our twelve year old, just cramming all of that stuff into your brain when you know you're gonna forget it. Um, and really it doesn't matter if you do. I'm glad I'm not living that life anymore. I, I'm not
2: living that life anymore, but I still never leave the house without a fully inked pen. <laughs> I don't know why, but there's a lot of viewer mail. Should we should we get to that? Let's
0: get to get to get in.
1: With your viewer mail. Our first viewer mail comes from uh
2: Kurt. He's our Photon Wrangler and Gilligan's Island expert. And Kurt writes, Dearest Restiva, as the resident Gilligan's Island expert, I feel I'd be shirking my duties if I didn't pass along along this tweet from Super70s Sports. Um, You
0: follow Super70s Sports, don't you?
2: I I know Super70s Sports. I know I've known him since before he was super 70 sports okay. and the, the tweet is um, Raquel Welch auditioned for the role of Marianne on Gilligan's Island and it was basically like God created the perfect hybrid of ginger and Marianne uh, this is like a prequel to weird science I mean may need oxygen now and there is a photo of Raquel Welch dressed as Marianne but she didn't get the job I, I don't I mean Raquel Welch surely Raquel Welch was Famous by then, wasn't was she not? I don't know. Maybe she, maybe her acting
0: chops weren't quite what they needed it to be Speed for Ford. Gilligan's Island.
2: Well, uh, uh, I mean, they made the right choice. Clearly, Rock Welch did indeed writes Kurt audition for the role of Marianne, whose last name is Summers, S-O-W-M-E-R-S, by the way. But producers didn't feel she had that quote girl next door quality they were looking for. Also, in the pilot episode, Marianne and a movie star didn't exist. Instead, actresses. Kit Smythe and Nancy McCarthy played secretaries named Ginger and Bunny. Ginger and Bunny.
0: Ginger and Bunny. Clearly a show written by men. You think?
2: I think. Um, When the decision was made to shift from secretaries to movie star and farm girl, Jane Mansfield was approached to play Ginger Grant. Ginger's last name is Grant. Did you know Mm -hmm. that? I didn't. Jane Mansfield and Raquel Welch. I bring this to your attention uh, mostly to give Steve an opportunity to consider Ms. Mansfield and Ms. Welch appearing together after school on the basement TV. <laughs> Most devotedly, Kurt Young, Kurt, Kurt with a K, thank you for that uh, opportunity to to ponder uh, the the world in which Raquel Welch and Jane Mansfield were um, on Gilligan's Island.
0: Mm, enjoy that. It,
2: it would be odd. No, I'm, not, I'm just saying it would be odd if the movie star had been an actual movie star. The movie star, right? The professor and Marianne. Um, right. uh, that makes me think. What does that make me think of, Rebecca? It makes me think of. Oh, it makes me think of a documentary I watched on a, a guy who. It's on Netflix. I forget the name of it, but it's it's about a guy who memorized all of the prices on the Prices Right. It was a very you were f- telling me about that very yesterday. strange documentary, but but in interesting.
0: Strange- Interesting enough to watch till the end.
2: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Because there's a twist at the end that uh, that I didn't see coming. But uh, but anyway, this guy this guy over years created a database of of all the products that that occasionally repeat themselves on the prices, right? Or, or did in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Mm-hmm. And uh, he could predict. He he could. He knew the price of all the things, and so he would go into the audience and shout out the prices to people, which is perfectly—you're uh, welcome to do, or you were welcome to do—with the price of right at the prices right. And people he would meet in the line, he would tell them, "Look, I know all the prices. So if you get called up there, listen to me," and it worked. I think I've uh, exhausted your interest in that subject, Rebecca. But
0: no, I—I'm I, listening like I was yesterday when you were telling me
2: <laughs> listening. Well, I mean, did we have, were we recording it for a podcast? No, no, it's
0: interesting.
2: Dear Rebecca and Steve writes, Annalie, I hope all is well with you. I've been meaning to follow up from my last email but several episodes have gone by, so apologies for this somewhat lengthy note. One, enumerated though, helpfully enumerated, Rebecca. Yes. One, you were curious after reading my previous email if Dr. Siegel delivered any of our babies, and unfortunately the answer is no. What an incredible coincidence slash small world it would be if he had. So Emily is in Atlanta. This is from Emily in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I should have said. Yes, our oldest was born in New York City, and our younger two girls were born at Piedmont Atlanta Hospital. I don't think that is where Doctor Siegel practices, but he can confirm. If we happen to try for that elusive boy, perhaps I will seek him out. I wonder if the, if the if the oldest born in New York City has a superiority complex uh, <laughs> to
0: the ones born in Atlanta.
2: Well, yeah, I mean just or if there's. Uh, Probably not. If the oldest was born in New York City but grew up in Atlanta, uh, probably favors the Braves and the Braves-Mets rivalry. That's true. Two, I love hearing about your newfound love for the coffee grinder. When we got married, it was literally the only item my soon-to-be husband added in our registry. I thought I thought Emily was going to say she got married to her coffee grinder, the way that sentence was beginning. Uh my soon-to-be-husband added to our registry and is still going strong almost eight years later. In fact, our three-year-old has a tantrum if she isn't the one to push the button and smell the freshly ground coffee. So we can attest to the joy a coffee grinder brings to all. Rebecca, how come you have never told me to wake up and smell the freshly ground coffee? I, don't I, w- know. I, w- I w- uh, There's nothing I'd like more than to wake up in the morning and smell the freshly ground coffee with my fully inked pen. <laughs>
0: Goals. Those are your goals.
2: Those are my goals. Three, I echo Dr. Siegel's comment about perhaps coming to Atlanta to call a dream game. I played high school basketball in the Pittsburgh area during the same time as dream coach Tanisha Wright. While I didn't play in college, I was a fairly decent player in high school. and this spring, I'll be inducted to our local Sports Hall of Fame.
0: Congratulations.
2: I'm required to give a speech. And the only thing I can think about saying is a big thank you to my parents for supporting me in all the years I played. Well, that would be the most appropriate. We are in the heart of now we have two high schoolers. Uh, playing, sometimes we attend a triple header of yeah. freshman, JV, and varsity games for the for the boys, and and uh, see much of the JV and then varsity game for the girls. So, a thank you to the parents would be appropriate. I'm not holding my breath that we're ever going to get one. We do enjoy attending the games, but
0: uh, no, no, we're never getting a thank you. This but includes.
2: This includes, writes Emily, attending every game and paying the $5 to enter the gym. I guess inflation has not affected the price for high school basketball game tickets. However, Emily, technology has. We, yes,
0: which is why she's referring to that, I think. Oh,
2: we did talk about that, right? Oh, of course, you went on your- like, you went like on your clearing famous, the gym rant. Your yes. famous rant about clearing the gym.
0: It's famous now.
2: Well, it's famous to me because it was so uh, overly vociferous. Ridiculous, <laughs> okay. Over Christmas break, writes Emily, I took my older two girls down to the high school to watch the varsity team practice and check out their mom's place in the Hall of Fame. This brought back so many great memories of years spent in the gym. See picture. There is a picture attached. Uh, uh, Look at this, Rebecca. This is fantastic. These girls definitely cannot. uh, Oh, and one of them, Rebecca, you'll you'll know. Take a look at this. I'm going to hand you my laptop. Okay. And it's a great picture two adorable girls in front of a glass trophy case, a classic glass trophy case uh, at a high school. But what is notable about the picture, Rebecca? What do you note in the picture?
0: The applesauce squeezer? The
2: applesauce squeezer.
0: I'm I'm looking at two adorable kids in front of a trophy case, and there's so much. All I can see. So much to look at, and all I can see as well is the go-go applesauce squeezer. (laughs) a no,
2: staple f- a staple of our own uh, primary secondary and tertiary pantries yes and i believe in one of the kids lunches today right in fact yes, rebecca yes that's true. I, I hope i'm not telling tales out of school last night you cooked a delicious pork tenderloin uh, mashed potatoes and uh, had planned to serve applesauce but when you went to the fridge and saw that the applesauce was almost empty and we didn't have any in in uh, the secondary or tertiary pantries you put out two applesauce squeezers on the table.
0: I put out like four because I knew uh, because our our youngest loves applesauce and I was like oh we only have a little tiny bit of applesauce left in the big container but if the kids want applesauce with the rest of their meal they can at least use the squeezers. I think only one of them was sucked clean.
2: Anyway writes Emily in Atlanta. Thanks for reading my note. I truly look forward to listening to your podcast each week. Emily thank you and um, that's a You know what, and I see see, uh, a plaque devoted to Emily as uh, a ball, all kinds of stuff. Wow, 1,724 career points.
0: That's a lot of points.
2: That's a lot of points. Uh, Our next viewer mail comes from Pat Eaton-Rob.
0: Hey, Pat.
2: Hi, Rebecca and Steve, writes Pat. I heard the conversation about shared family birthdays and wanted to share a story from my family. Now, we have so many in our family, as we mentioned on the previous pod. My mom and my mother-in-law not only share a birthday. My mom and my mother-in-law share a birthday.
0: That's that's different. That is yeah. different.
2: Not only share a birthday, but a birth date. Both were born on November 22nd, 1934.
0: That's crazy.
2: Uh, uh, about three hours apart, one in Massachusetts and the other in Louisiana. Hmm. They were born three hours apart. Those two, I was thinking, Massachusetts and Louisiana were three hours apart. Um, my dad was born in 1934. And, uh, of course, November 22nd, um, the day of the President Kennedy assassination in 1963, would have been their 29th birthday. Mm. Uh, they became good friends and would swap calls on that day every year until my mom passed several years ago. My mother said she loved having a birthday buddy because she stopped really celebrating the day after JFK was assassinated on that day in 1963. I also had a boss who has September 11th as a birthday. After 9-11, when all of us at the Associated Press were sent to cover various aspects of that horror, he switched the celebration of his subsequent birthdays to September 12th. Interestingly, September 12th is my brother's birthday, Rebecca. But That's yes, right. those, those days of... Uh, where uh, uh, your birthday retroactively becomes uh, a, a tragic date in history. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Pat. And the next one comes from Ralph. This is these come to uh, ballandchainpod at gmail That's right. Ralph writes, "Hi, Restiva. I have been in Bal- in a Baltimore area hospital for the last few weeks. I'm basically okay, but the physicians have peculiar ways in my." Connecticut family cannot always be here to help me. I have a more than a few pointed things to say to DGS about medical practice.
0: <laughs> Don't blame DGS.
2: But that is on the back burner. To the point about cash, I try to use it for small purchases like soda, but nobody has change for a 20, including me. Well, 20 was the default uh, bill at the ATM, but now you get you just if you put in $200, my default at the ATM, you might get 100 dollars yeah. 150 20 it's like that old Saturday night Live commercial about the change bank I can give you two tent two dimes a nickel three quarters uh so so even the 20s is not a sure thing anymore right Steve's intuitive point about birthdays is right a group of 30 or so is likely to have two who share a birthday and it can be proven glad to be back in the groove and I will soon be a completionist again Ralph Ralph thank you and uh and uh get well soon in in Baltimore there
0: I think. Didn't uh, Mark Simon send us the actual probability of birthdays?
2: Did he? I, I mean, if anybody so would have, I'm it, going to, it, I'll it, check. It, yes. it would be Mark. Um, did he tweet it to us? Or? Yes. Okay, well, please check so we can, we can uh, get that on the air, as it were. Scott from Glastonbury writes Dear Chain, I don't know if he's referring just to you or possibly to me. First, I totally agree with Rebecca that clearing the gym after high school freshman games so that a school can make sure that everyone watching the JV varsity games has a ticket is nonsense. If the school can't have a staff member there to check tickets at the freshman game, they should live with some people without tickets at the JV varsity games. Scott, I think that's absolutely the case.
0: Thank you. Thank you for agreeing.
2: My 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 only fear is that you will uh, reopen a wound that that is festering. It's not a wound that's
0: not festering.
2: But what a great word, fester. That is a good word. Uncle Fester. Most famous Fester? That
0: would be a question our daughter would ask. If you had another son, would you name him Fester? (laughs) I would. Yeah, I know you would.
2: Uh, Your comments about bleacher banging reminded me of something that happened at a high school game a couple of weeks ago. Typically, at the scorer's table, there's someone running the clock and two people keeping scorebooks, one from each school. Many times the per... Rebecca. He's telling this to somebody who kept the book as recently as Sunday. That's right. Yep, that would be me. Many times, the person keeping the book for the road team is a student from that school. I was doing the clock recently, and as the road team was mounting a fourth quarter comeback, the student doing the book started drumming her hands on the scorers' table. I didn't want to be that guy and tell her there was no cheering in the press box. So I just smiled to myself and enjoyed watching a kid support her classmates. Nice of him. Very nice of him. Love the podcast. Scott from Glastonbury. Now, when I was keeping the book at uh, at our seventh graders travel game, both the, the the person keeping the clock was, I think, in middle school. And the guy keeping the book for the other team was a parent. So I, I will say encouraging words to the kids from our travel team who are checking into the game because they have to come to the scores table where I'm sitting. But I try not to uh, – uh, scream uh, loudly as the, you know, in the impartial you, you jury box scream, of the scores table. You
0: mean like you try not to cheer loudly. This yeah. is this is a, 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 a this is my weekly beef when it comes to um, youth basketball. I've I've missed many of our twelve-year-olds' games, like middle school girls' basketball games. But the couple I've gone to, I walk into a silent gym. And I like sit on the bench and the kids are are not saying anything because they're twelve years old and that's typical. And self-conscious and, and brooding. Yeah. And 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 like parents will clap politely and stuff, but gyms are not supposed to be quiet. And so like when I sit on the bench, I just kinda get loud. I'll just start, you know, you know, nice pass, so and so, good shot so and so. Like keep moving the ball, like what is going on you know quiet has its so place and not reasons. in a during a basketball game quiet like unless somebody's injured when somebody gets hurt the gym should go quiet the gym shouldn't be quiet the t- the whole time the whole time and again like you have to kind of like i was at a high school basketball game last night in our town and um it was it, it was great because uh you know the five players were on the court for one team and they probably and they say there's 10 players on the bench Um, when they were on defense, the kids, defense, clap, clap, defense, clap, clap. Like they're trying to bring energy because uh, they like a quiet gym is just blah. So anyway, I've got to bring a little more life and energy somehow. And and it's not from yelling at the refs. It's just life and energy and cheering and encouraging and all of the good parts of um, noise. We need more good noise. At uh, at youth basketball games, that's my so, that's my weekly. Rant. So
2: bring your goalie gloves.
0: <laughs> well, maybe mine is the goalie gloves.
2: Matt, our resident West Hartford resident, writes in.
0: Hello, Matt. It's been a while. It's
2: been a while. Dear Rebecca and Steve, writes Matt, our resident West Hartford resident. I have not emailed in a while, but I have to write in this week to ask: Have either of you have either of you read the new book "Bleeding Green" by Christopher Price about the history of the Hartford Whalers? I have not. I have not. But I'm well aware of the book. And Think you'll uh, read it? I, I, something I, would, in your wheelhouse? I definitely enjoy reading that okay. book. I enjoyed the book, writes Matt, and was pleasantly surprised and amused to see that you both are mentioned in it. Both Uh-oh. of
0: us. Let's hear more.
2: Steve made it into the book when the author wrote about Steve's article. I, I once wrote. A, I, I once visited, long after the Wheelers moved out, uh, the, the, the continuing Hartford Wheelers fan club that gathers on a regular basis. Oh, right. Uh, I to remember watch the, that. To yeah. watch uh, hockey.
0: Do you remember? What's their name? They had a name, didn't they? Uh,
2: they did, um, but I uh, can't I'll remember. I'll
0: revisit your column and remember.
2: Uh, Steve made it in the book when the author wrote about Steve's article in which he referred to the Whalers fans as hockey's version of Miss Havisham. <laughs> That's a reference, historical reference. You mm-hmm. may re- remember. The remember. kind of
0: uh, historical references you choose to remember yeah our daughter had our 12 year old hasn't learned about that yet
2: the reference to Rebecca was more unexpected price tells a funny story about Brendan Shanahan Brendan Shanahan uh,
0: he was the star player for the Whalers back when I was in college I in think. the
2: in the mid 90s yeah. yeah he played for many teams and is now uh I think the president of the Toronto Maple Leafs they had a 20-year career in the NHL longer than that Price tells a funny story about Brendan Shanahan getting carted at the door at Coach's Bar. And when he didn't have his license with him, the bouncer wouldn't let him in. Shanahan was already not loving his introduction to Hartford, and this incident didn't help. The story, the story got funnier when another former whaler told Price that, quote, Rebecca Lobo could show up without an ID and walk into the place with her entourage, and no one would bat an eye. <laughs> Matt Matt writes, Rebecca. I didn't know you had an entourage.
0: I didn't know that either. Did you
2: in the, in the mid-90s?
0: No, I never had an entourage. Unless you count like Jen Rosati and Kara Walters. That was more of a posse. Yeah, yeah, true. That would be more of a posse than an entourage. So we had our women's basketball you, posse. You, Kara
2: Walters, and Jen Rosati walk into Coach's Bar. This is not the start of a joke, but maybe it's... I'm, you're, and I'm sure you're, we did at some point. You're in a, in a we, plex, plexiglass face mask. Jen is in knee pads. <laughs> You're dressed in street clothes.
0: We uh, back in those days, the Yukon women never played at the Civic Center or the XL Center. All of our games were at home. So if we were going to go out, um, we would tend to go out somewhere around campus. Versus, I think some of the guys because they would play at the uh, at the Civic Center might end up going out to coaches. But I did go to coaches a few times back in those days.
2: Matt writes with any li- my,
0: with my posse.
2: Matt writes any listeners who loved the Hartford Whalers should check out the book. Even aside from the Russian and Lobo references, it's an enjoyable read. I'm glad he added the even, and the Me sentence too. wasn't just aside from the Russian and Lobo references. It's an enjoyable read. There's right. there's a blurb. I mean, uh, uh, Christopher Price could clip this uh, as a blurb and and have on the back of the paperback edition. Aside from the Russian and Lobo references, it's an enjoyable read. Matt in West Hartford. Yes. Thanks, Matt. Uh, I'll check it out. Uh, This next viewer mail, Rebecca, comes in from our Cape Cod correspondent. Oh,
0: hello. John. Hello, John.
2: Spelled the conventional way with an H. Dear Steve and Rebecca, happy new year to the Russian and ball and chain families from your Cape Cod correspondent. As usual, we really enjoyed your most recent podcast. I've been listening since late 2019. And although I'm not a completionist, maybe someday I'll go back and listen to the first 80 or so. My origin story is that I was looking to connect with Steve regarding Stingray Afternoons and my book club, and the podcast was mentioned on his wikipedia page so i decided to check it out since since then jane his wife and i have been faithful listeners by the way while looking back to see when i actually started listening i ran across some complet- some competition for you there's actually a podcast out there called the ball and blockchain podcast
0: the ball and block- blockchain chain.
2: podcast i haven't checked it out yet but it doesn't sound particularly stimulating as a the ball I wonder what their logo is like. I hope it doesn't doesn't call uh, come to the attention of the International Red Cross. <laughs>
0: Who knows? As always,
2: I have a few random thoughts from recent episodes in no particular order. One, your discussion of water bottles and their ubiquitous presence in our lives reminded me of an old beer commercial, Coors, I think, where a few hikers were stopping at a clear mountain stream for a quick drink. One guy says something like, hey, this water is so pure, we should bottle it. All his friends looked at him like he was nuts. Are you crazy? Water is free. Hopefully, that poor guy ignored his friends and tried to sell it anyway. (laughs) Two, I love Steve's idea about the t shirt that says, Yes, I'm tall, I'm a reader. That would work really well for our family as everyone is an avid reader. Our son is a particularly dedicated reader and would have been the one sitting in the stands reading a book while the game was going on, unless he was actually playing, of course. A, A few quick vignettes. I have uh, very fond memories of a family trip to Paris when he was about eight years old at the same, at the time he was deep into Harry Potter. So while the rest of us took in the beautiful artwork at the Louvre, we found a unique way of keeping him happy. We drop him on one of those big couch benches. They have wander around, wander through a few galleries and then pick up and move him on to another one. (laughs) He barely had to lift his eyes from his books. How great is that? That's great. I mean, that's just fantastic. Um, And, and and I'm sure as a parent, uh, part of you is just dying that, you're in the Louvre, could you please look at at the Mona Lisa? You're in Paris, would you mind looking at the Eiffel Tower? But no, he had this priority straight. He was into into a good book.
0: Instead of going to the Louvre gift shop on the way out, they should have gone on the way in, bought a book with all of the finest art in the Louvre and handed it to to their son to read the book, even though the pictures... We're right in front of him.
2: It wasn't until he had been out of the house for a few years that he finally admitted that, yes, those long showers he took were because he was actually reading at the time. By the way, Steve, we are all avid series readers, sci-fi, fantasy, murder mysteries, to name a few. And yes, I'm definitely looking forward to the next installment of your memoirs. And like you, I was an avid Hardy Boys series reader in my youth. I agree. The mystery of the purloined letter would have, would have been a perfect Hardy Boys title, but alas, Edgar Allan Poe had already purloined it. I was also a big Alistair McLean fan in my youth. Every Christmas Eve, we were allowed to open one gift. My mom would always get me the latest McLean, and that would be it for me for the rest of the evening. I, I've, I've got to start. Uh, I've really got to start getting traction, Rebecca, on my 2023 book reading, yeah. not to mention my book writing. But Yeah. Uh,
0: have you started it? Have you been reading I, I've been reading, this, reading a Quentin Tarantino's
2: more? Cinema. Uh, cinema mm, it's a book about movies of the 70s. I'm enjoying it. But I'm just, I've, I've got to go to a good bookstore. I'll go to R.J. Julia in Middletown mm-hmm. at Wesleyan and, uh, and browse. And I'll come out with like five books and I'll read them all. Yeah. Three, our extended family has many coincidental birthdays as well. Among others, I share a birthday with the wife of one of my nephews. And his brother's son was born on my son's birthday. And Jane and I were born one day apart, actually about 18 hours. But contrary to what astrology might tell you, we are very different. So he and his wife were born 18 hours apart.
0: Hmm. That's crazy.
2: That's crazy. Four, regarding jeans in high school, they definitely weren't allowed at BHS, but that was okay with me because I was well into my corduroy phase. <laughs> I, Our you daughter, ever have the corduroy I I, the corduroy I actually phase. recently
0: got a pair of blue like Carolina blue corduroys I, with the uh, their cargo corduroys. I
2: want oh, them cuz I'll cargo hear you corduroy. I'll hear you coming down the hallway. Um <laughs> I got to get a pair of corduroys.
0: You definitely do. Fortunately, my wife and, and to wear with your blazer that has the patches on the elbows. Yeah, and yeah. a pipe. You don't actually no, have that yet, no, but, but you will. Fortunately,
2: my wife came along to disabuse me of the notion that they were cool or in style. But then there were, but then there were my blue plaid bell bottoms. Those sound Amazing. spectacular. Yes. Five and finally, things are pretty quiet at the Cape these days. But the days are getting longer, so summer can't be too far away, right? Yeah, I know that is snow in the air this evening. Uh, it's not summer until the until uh, the Sam Adams Summer uh, Brew comes out, which usually which is usually around March. Right, and then you get the the uh, October in June. I apologize for the length of this missive and promise to be better about correspondence this year. Uh, not at all, John. Thank you for that. Um, best wishes to you for a happy, healthy 2023. Your Cape Cod correspondent.
0: So I did. I found the tweet from Mark Simon and since we were just talking about birthdays and we talked about um, my brother and his wife and brother-in-law all having the same birthday. Mark. First of all, Mark said he's updating the bylaws. Odds of picking three random people who share the same birthday, month and day, are about 48.6 million to one he said 365 cubed. One more time? The odds of picking three random people, which yes. of course, brother-in-law, yep. sister-in-law, brother, who share the same birthday, the month and the day, not the year, are about 48.6 million to 1.
2: Wow. So that's, that's there's that. That's a little steeper than I had thought.
0: And his update to the uh to the bylaws a christmas medley played on piano by steve shall be played annually
2: <laughs> oh wow well, now that it's uh codified in in bylaw by mark simon i'll start i'll start working on this real. year's now yeah and finally and i've got to run because uh our kids have it's a, midterm a, a week mid-term and week. our kids only go to school uh, for two hours uh, dr gary siegel uh, DGS uh, the, the 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 great DGS writes in Dear Rebecca and Steve I'm pleased to report that all is well and I'm keeping my priorities straight by organizing things such that I can send in my report on a Monday night albeit before 11 p.m. It's been a busy few days with work and such and thus I have little to report. One I am both honored and thrilled to address the question about delivering sisters that tough schist mentioned last week. I have not been in that situation but being an older gynecologist with roots in the good old days of medicine when things weren't as corporate sisters neighbors and friends were the best referral sources. In that regard, I had the honor of seeing sisters, friends, cousins, mothers of pregnant women, etc., and those relationships enriched my enjoyment of my profession. Those relationships also were a cause, along with my chatty nature, of me always running quite behind my schedule. I have no regrets. <laughs> Nor should he. Two, my best story involves my early years in practice when two women had spontaneously conceived twins, i.e. no use of fertility treatments, in both 1989 and 1990. One of them, pleasant and nary a complaint ever, had two wise comments that I recall to this day. A, once when she was around 34 weeks pregnant, she was sitting in a chair awaiting being placed into the exam room. I sat down next to her to say hello. She simply said, help. <laughs> B, when she was in labor at term, after she got her epidural, she said that she felt better than she had in the last five months. Wow. Wow.
0: That's an uncomfortable pregnancy. Oof.
2: Three, these days I cover obstetrics and a bit of gynecology in a rural hospital when the solo doctor in town takes a weekend off or a vacation. It is a wonderful situation for me as I do get some days off, but sometimes like this past five-day stint, things can be hectic as described below. Four, I arrived for work a a Wednesday 8 a.m. to Monday 8 a.m. stint, Wednesday to Monday 8 a.m. to 8 a.m. with two scheduled cesareans to do and three circumcisions. No gym on Wednesday, as the, day progressed and with no, as the days progressed and with no re- disrespect to anyone, nor any dereliction of duty, I proceeded to deliver 11 babies during that time, which is Only much spouse. busier than normal. Yeah. One day before cesarean in a woman who was in early-ish labor and close to her planned cesarean date, for whom sending her home undelivered would have been a social calamity. There were two other cesareans for women who had them planned for the next week, but both arrived in labor. The rest were vaginal deliveries, including one vacuum-assisted delivery of a nine-pound, six-ounce girl, Oh. There was a plethora of girls. Uh, sending her home undelivered. I like the terminology. Mm. Five, I missed the gym on two days and I'm still behind on the local newspaper and Wordle. These are occupational hazards. Every time I tried to lie in bed and do Wordle or read, I fell asleep in moments. I didn't know you could get behind on Wordle. I thought once the Wordle expired, you can't. there's no Wordle archive.
0: I'm not a, wor- I'm not a wor- Wordler, so I can't speak to that.
2: Nor are you a whittler, though I'm hoping in your retirement <laughs> you'll take that up.
0: I'll pick them both up in retirement.
2: Six, in breaking technology news, today at the gym, the Wi-Fi wasn't working, but I successfully connected my tablet to my phone so that I could use my phone's cell signal to read on my tablet while doing cardio.
0: I've learned how to do that recently yeah, as well, recently. using your phone as a hotspot.
2: Uh, seven, I'm thrilled to hear that your college-aged daughter is doing exactly what college-aged children do. I just drove her back to college on a Monday. Eight, I must point out that, indeed, over the years... Of the podcast, babies that I've delivered are certainly in preschool. Similarly, I believe that Steve has become even more of a renaissance man as he can change filters. I changed ours today, repair kitchen drawers, serenade us on the piano, and of course use words and trivia in a clever manner that few can. While Steve certainly married out of his league, I posit that Rebecca didn't do so badly either. Wow. Well, thank you, Doctor Siegel.
0: I think I'm only one league. You're. you're
2: I'm in the you G You married
0: league. up like two leagues. I married.
2: 20,000 leagues under, <laughs> under the, the sea. <laughs> Nine, lastly, attached, please find a picture and a link to a short video from the Atlanta Braves when the TV broadcasts were mainly on Superstation WTBS. The late Skip Carey had quite a call about a pregame ending play in which he mentioned that the movie The Magnificent Seven was warming up in the bullpen after the hitter would hit into a 6-4-3 double play. Enjoy. All the best. Gary, not proofing tonight. Uh, Gary, it was it was uh, typo-free and and grammatically impeccable as always as always and um, uh, Tom Dick and Hari producer Denny Gallagher um, most importantly our our, our viewers uh, we have anybody else to thank no, Rebecca thank you everyone I, and, I, uh,
0: Tom Dick Hari play us I out I have
2: to sprint
1: Six of us and the family pet live in its cuckoo nest Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test Androgynous And drive to ambiguous while we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Hard to tell right here on Happiness Day